I'm Donald Trump, and I love Alabama sportsmen. Come in, sit down, and listen to all hunting, all fishing, and all outdoors. If you get your feelings hurt when animals die, this isn't the show for you. Broadcasting from the Appalachian Mountains in Northeast Alabama, it's the Alabama Sportsman's Podcast. And here's your host, Jamie Sparks. One of my favorite things about doing podcasts is all the people I get to meet and talk to. The great people that hunt and fish in Alabama are some of the best group of people I've ever met, and Billy Bigfoot Drake is no exception. He is one man that has tons of stories to tell, and he likes telling them, and he is a hunting machine. As far as how much he loves being in nature, I'd compare him to Michael Perry. This is the second time we talked to Billy, but it's the first recording. I know we will have many more episodes with him, so get familiar with him. He will be back. And don't forget to follow us and subscribe to us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Alabama Sportsman. Well, uh, we had you on, you know, not long ago, right when you killed this deer, and we had some technical difficulties on our uh, on our podcast. I mean, on our, some of our equipment, but we got you back on. We really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to be on here with us. And uh, you got a great story, man. You are you are one fun person to talk to, and I know when people hear this story right here, they're really going to enjoy it. So, Billy, we really appreciate you coming back on, and uh, tell us a little bit about your hunt and how you hunt and. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this 156-inch deer you killed. Well, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate you having me back on. i see if I can do this the second time and do it without the teleprompter like Brandon would. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've been hunting in Paint Rock Valley most all my life, and it's kind of dear to my heart. My family's had a place up there since, uh, like, the late 1800s. We just recently sold the place. Uh, all the elders had died off, but that's where I grew up and cut my teeth hunting was in Paint Rock Valley, and it was a 1,000 acres. And uh, the reason I'm starting this off with Paint Rock Valley, because, like I said, it's really dear to my heart, and it's Jackson County. It's really unique place to hunt deer. Mm-hmm. It's very rugged. But, uh, yeah, my, my parents... Uh, carried me up there as a kid even at 12 13 years old and i would carry my best friends and we'd spend all weekend just walking in the mountains and you know jumping deer and being excited about it and uh coming around the house there one day with my parents a big old buck looking back even to this day he was probably a 150 class buck i'm telling you it was really wide and he was huge and he was just standing right behind the old home place used to be a slave quarters back there when we remodeled it we tore all that place down in the back back there and remodeled this old house and that buck was standing back there where that green grass was coming up and we just stood there me and my friend and my mother looking at him and i was probably about 14 and he just slowly walked up the mountain and so majestic and that was the day that i got hooked and when i went back to school uh during the library hours, I would even look up every book I could find about deer and deer hunting and everything I needed to know. And I taught my dad into getting me a Harrington and Richardson, a 20 gauge single shot shotgun. And it got me a slug <clears throat> and I started hunting. And, uh, like I said, those mountains are very rugged and they beat me down most of the time that place did, but 
starting out, I was real lucky to get some pretty nice deer where my cousin was the only other one that really hunted the place. And he was older than me. And uh, I come in there at a young age and I seemed like I would always kill the big deer every year. And I ended up killing about five deer there that would score around 140, which in Paint Rock Valley and Alabama in general, that's a really good deer. You know oh, yeah. that. That's a great deer. That's a great deer. And uh, so I was always real proud of that. But <clears throat> after they went into the hunting club idea of it, my family did, then it all got out of hand with uh, all these members joining to pay taxes on the land. They would even build like uh, garages under their shooting stands to park their four-wheelers in or three-wheelers at the time that was one of the first things that came out was three-wheelers and to this day I, I still think that was the worst thing that ever happened to the deer hunting because <laughs> most of the big deer i ever killed was up there walking the roads and sneaking even for a big guy six six about 250 pounds i'm real good on my feet i'm real quiet and once, you know, I done walked an hour and a half and then here comes some 65, 70 year old man on his three wheeler riding right up to me. It just, it changed everything. But, uh, we've had some good things come along like the tree stand and I hunted out of the Baker tree stand which is the original death trap tree stands back in the day. Oh yeah. Been there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, so you know, there's been good and bad things happen. Just like the cameras, I think, is one of the greatest things that for a deer hunter that they've let us use yet, you know, right. besides maybe crossbows. <laughs> but anyway, I would kill the big deer every year on this place. Well, the last, I don't know, 15 years, I haven't hardly hunted it much because they've had at least to about 20 hunters. And I just didn't like to go up there because they're just shooting everything and I don't let the deer get any age on them. So I've been basically hunting bits and spots of land I have around town because I'm trying to get a big deer. And a couple of my spots are only like five, 10 acre spots here in town, bow hunting. And I hunt Black Warrior a good bit deep in there, but haven't really been on any big deer in several years. But uh, I got this chance, uh, the family, like I said, the elders had passed away and uh, they decided to sell the property, the young people did. And uh, I took my share and I'd been looking around, looking around and really thought I wasn't gonna find anything because the price of land is just phenomenal right now, even in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I saw this ad on there for uh, the most remote land in Alabama, that's what it said. And it was 39 acres, and it's a 45-minute four-wheeler ride to get back there to it from Lock Gate. And, uh, of course, that was just all right down my alley. Right. And uh, So I went up there, and I call it the Bigfoot Ranch, and I pitched me a big, giant dome tent and tried to get ready for deer season. And uh, so we went up there, me and my buddy Chris, and, and built the – camp, so to speak, and got it all put out, and uh, the land surrounding this property is all hunting club that I'm in, and it's all wilderness. I mean, way back, like I said, it's really back in the mountains back there, and uh, I'm way back on the very top, and the deer in Paint Rock Valley don't really use the tops as much early in the year. They seem like they graduate from the bottoms up. But uh, 
as the year went on, it got better and better and better. And uh, we got several cameras out, me and my best friend, Zach. Uh, we put cameras out and uh, we've been seeing several nice deer. I would say 130 class deer. We passed on several. He shot his biggest deer of his life, which is probably about a 135 10 pointer this year and uh, i just got him into deer hunting a few years ago and he got into it so much that he went and bought his own property in lincoln county tennessee wow yeah and just you know he's an engineer so he can do whatever he wants <laughs> he just went and bought him some property like that's nice but yes he took his best deer and so we've been hunting this particular area and uh it's a bedding area which in paint rock valley uh when I say bedding area, it's not always, uh, you know, a, a logged area or even really a, just a, a thick area, a small area. It's, it's a lot of times it can be rocks. I mean, if you've got an area on your property in Paint Rock Valley that's, you know, 20, 30 acres of just big, giant rocks, it may look to you like it's not the kind of place that, you know, you would consider a bedding area. But I found that these really big bucks, and we've got several on cameras and little cracks in rocks, practically, uh, that just, they they stay in them rocks and they feel safe in there. But this particular area that this deer came from uh, was like a, we, we think a tornado may have went through there mm -hmm. uh, several years ago because it's a logged area. They do a lot of logging up there. But this particular area doesn't have any stumps or any trees where they cut anything, but yet it's super thick and it runs all the way from the bottom of the mountain to the top. And in those mountains in Paint Rock Valley, that's ideal for holding deer. And uh, so we, we set some cameras inside of that. And most people obviously stay outside of the bedding area, but. I'm a little different in that way, too, because I like to hunt where I can only see like 50 yards on windy deer trails and the super thick, rocky, nobody else is going to hunt in our places. And so we had cameras in there, and we're, we're actually hunting a nice deer that I'd never seen this year in person. And uh, so we got those cameras in there, right? right. So this afternoon, that morning... I went, uh, I'm supposed to meet Zach coming in from the other way. I hunted totally different area, walked about a half a mile, and it's a little earlier than I'm supposed to meet him. So I just sat low in this bedding area looking up the hill. And about 9.30, I saw a really nice uh, buck move along. There's a series of four trails. Uh, the deer in those areas in Paint Rock Valley, they use those benches, I guess you call them, or uh, they use those benches and they make trails on them. And it seems like the does use the wider ones. And as you get toward the top, the bucks use the little spindlier ones that are hard to see. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, he was up about the third trail and I got my binoculars on him and he looked good. So, uh, that afternoon I taught myself and we're going back over there and Zach sat on the far end of the bedding area. And I actually said on the end that the wind wasn't ideal because in Paint Rock Valley, you can't always tell if they tell you it's going to be a wind out of such and such direction. You know, it depends on your geography up there and it changes a lot. Right. 
And so I eased down my side, and I was going to get in my stand. I was running a little late, and I decided that I'd just sit on the ground. I, I got one of those uh, new, I guess they call them tree hammock seats. Yeah, yeah. They are super comfortable, and I would highly recommend them. But you stick out like a sore thumb. I, I'm like used to climbing 30, 40 foot in a tree. I get really high. So I'm just sitting on the ground. And I hadn't been there but about 30 minutes. I would imagine it was it was getting late, so it was probably about 3.30. And uh, I looked down the hill, nothing, and I at the two trails below me that the does had been traveling a lot. And I was above them because I was expecting the does to, because the rut going at that time. And I looked back to my right on the bench I'm sitting on, and there's an eight-pointer just standing there looking at me. And so we have the 50-yard stare down, expecting him to freak out and run off. And he sniffed the air a few times and just started walking toward me. And he closed the distance about, I don't know, 10 yards. And I'm real slowly trying to get my phone up because I want to film it. And he sniffs the air, but the wind's not exactly toward me. And he turns around and he starts walking off. So I get my camera out and I film him walking off. I'm going to show my buddy Zach, you know, look, I seen this nice eight-pointer. So he does that, and I filmed him. I set my phone down, and I got my rifle laid in my lap facing down the hill, hill with my hand warmer on top of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm sitting there. I think it been 15 minutes, and back to my right, I see movement the way I walked down. And I'd actually uh, carried a drag rag in with me. Right. And I had estrus, golden estrus on it. Mm -hmm. And I'd walk between those cracks in the rocks where I'm telling you, right on the edge of the bedding area. And it's just, I mean, I'm not, you know, it's a hundred yards from the top of the mountain in bluffs. Right, I mean, right. just like where you wouldn't expect to see a deer. Right. And so uh, I look back, I see movement and I see a deer coming and I caught a glimpse of a rack and I said, well, that's that eight pointer coming back to get my wind on me because my wind was blowing from my left to my right, struck kind of up the mountain alongside the bedding area. And uh, so I get my phone up again and I get it turned on and I pick it up and the deer went behind a tree and I'm trying to zoom in and you've probably seen the video. Yeah. And then, uh, Sure enough, he comes out to the right, and I'm looking at him through my phone, so I can't really tell that much about it. I think it's that same deer. And I zoom in, and I film him for about five or six seconds, and then I just drop my phone. It's almost like you can hear me, oh, beep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I had to get my hand warmer off my gun and get my gun turned around. And, of course, those seats are really nice for being able to spin around in them. And, uh, yeah, I spun around and I walked it off. I shot him at 40 yards. <clears throat> and uh, he stood there for about two seconds, and I got a semi-automatic. So I'm fixing to shoot again, and then he started running, and he ran probably, I don't know, 10 yards, and he slowed down again, and I shot again. And he stumbled, and by then I knew it was a huge deer. And I'm like, why is he not dropping? Well, I'm shooting at such a hard angle, probably 30, 35 degrees above me, that I'm just holding it a little high. Right. Because both of my bullet holes were like an inch apart, and the first one, second one was an inch above the heart, you know? Right. 
And so he ran down the mountain some more, and then I did the old Texas heart shot on him, <laughs> which ruined some hindquarters, but that was the end of him. I had to dispatch him because it's getting dark. It's Sunday. We're ready to go home. I, I wasn't expecting this, you know. And so uh, we had to go get my buddy, Zach, and, you know, and he's like, is it a good one? I was like, you know, I wouldn't have shot if it wasn't a good one. And so we get down there, and Jamie, it's like midnight trying to get him out of there. And uh, I bought one of those carts, you know, the real nice deer carts. Yeah. And I've had two before. And this is the second one I've collapsed. The first one was in Kansas on some rocks on a nice buck I bow shot. And then this one, we hadn't had the deer on it 100 feet, and it just nuts and bolts flew everywhere <laughs> and yeah we had to take our belts and just everything we had and you know put it together and dragging him out of there but we finally got him out of there and i don't know what he would have weighed he wasn't super big but i'd say he probably weighed 170 pounds yeah but uh he was run down looking you know what i mean and if yeah. you can tell by the pictures you can see he looks like he's all rack it's just because he was, you know, he just looked like he'd been beat up. And, uh, yeah, a guy sent me, I posted it on that True Bama Hunters, and he uh, sent me pictures of this deer, which is, how cool is that? I've got video of him. I've got three pictures, one in velvet, and uh, three pictures of him that they sent me, which is nearly three miles from where I shot him at. Wow. And they've been hunting him for like three years, you know, and he stayed predominantly apparently on their property. And uh, with all the cameras and as much hunting as I've done up there, we never saw this deer, you know. So yeah, we're sitting I here think looking at just, him right now. Yeah, I think he's just out on, uh, you know, chasing them women. And <laughs> But, you know, as well as I do, Jamie, how many times if you, boy, I'm going to shoot a doe today. Today I'm going to get me a doe. And yeah. if you're sitting on the ground and they come out like that, you're not even going to get a shot at a doe. That's and right. I was able to, you know, film some of it, not knowing, yeah. and then get my gun turned all the way around and was able to take that deer. It's like, I don't know how that happened. That's so incredible. Yeah, yeah. and then didn't make the world's best shot on top of that. I was happy that I was able to get him down, but, you know, he didn't have nowhere to go. I mean, I'm out on the side of that hill and 40 yards. I wasn't going to miss him altogether, but I hate I couldn't have dropped him right where it was at. But I've been hunting for 46 years, and it's by far the biggest deer I've ever killed. And, uh you know, hopefully we can top that, but we'll see how it goes. But, right. And you scored him at a 156, is what you said? Uh, yeah, well, I actually had the over there at the uh, taxidermy. I mean, not the taxidermy, but Weaver's Meat Processing. The guy in the parking lot said he would go 160, but the Weaver up scored him at 156. But I haven't had him professionally scored. But I do believe in what you said the other day that being scoring now is what the deer I shot, not three or six months from now when he dries out. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. So uh, I'm going to get him scored. I've actually got him in the freezer out there now. And uh, I'm probably going to mount him myself. I'm going to do him in a full sneak 
with a mountain lion teeth in him, by the way, and eyes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I'm actually going to frost him over like he kind of was that day. Oh, yeah. yeah I've and, seen those. Like it did. They look good. Yeah, so I'm, it's going to take me a little while to do it. But, yeah, I want to get him professionally scored, but he's uh, about 22 and a half inches wide. Dang. And uh, super tall and real wide. He's got one point broke off. And he's got a point down around his bases is probably an inch and a half. I wouldn't really count. But it should have been a 12-pointer. And I'll probably build that one point back. And, uh, yeah, we're sitting yeah. here looking at it. That, yeah. I, we can see that one point. And that, on the side that you're holding him on, look at his eye. Look like he got punched by Apollo Creed, don't it? Yeah. See how it swole up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just see if you can kind of tell, though, how he looks at – he's sunk in looking around the face, and it's like he was tired, you know? Yeah. He probably was he just, running him out. He probably was. <laughs> exactly. And in this particular area I'm hunting, it's uh, – is there's several bucks in there. I mean, the does are really using it, too. And it's so thick in there that you really – you know, you can't – I say you can't hunt it, and I like saying that because I don't want people to hunt those places. <laughs> but that's where I hunt even when I go to the public areas like Black Warrior, way back in there, is I like to get in the thickest stuff I can find that nobody else would hunt. And that's even on our farm, that's how I always had luck. Uh, and uh, it's the same way up there. It's just those super, super thick areas. And the key is, though, is, is being super slow. You know, I think you'd asked me before, you told me, well, Billy, how, what about how do you like to walk in the mornings? Well, I'm the guy that has that extra cup of coffee when y'all have already left. And I like to go in when it's a little bit daylight to actually daylight because I figure I might miss 15, 30 minutes of hunting depending on where I'm going. But I might actually get a shot walking in. Right. But Has if it, we know, more than likely, walking in in the dark, I'm going to probably scare everything. And there could be deer standing right over there, and I just go walking in, you know, slopping in there, then you're definitely going to run everything out. Have you ever had luck so, doing that, going in at daylight? Yes. Oh, yes. Over the years, definitely. I'm a big-time stalk hunter. Like I said, I'm always wearing gillin no matter what I'm hunting. Mm -hmm. I move super slow. I slide my feet along, and I, I just I, I'm always looking because I've come to find out you're going to see deer when you least expect it. You know, you're going to go sit on your perfect scrape in your beautiful place, and you're going to sit there for hours. Right. But how many times have you seen that deer? Just like I saw this big one, looking back almost over my shoulder. You know, they're not where you expect them most of the time and the same way in the mornings that trying to it's funny because somebody goes in 30 minutes early and they're just crunch 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 i gotta get there i'm sweating crunch 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 i'm getting my tree stand on the tree crunch crunch bang bang but yet if you're 30 minutes after daylight you're scared almost right it's like oh i gotta move slow well that's what you need to do anyway and it's hard to do in the dark because you can't see out there in front of you 75 yards. Right. So that's, I guess, if I'm going to say something that made me a little different than some people, is is that would be to slow down, you know? Right. It's like I told you before when I did that 
uh, years ago, I did a thing for the Jakes, uh, National Wild Turkey Federation Jakes, and I had a bunch of kids in the room, and I built a box. It was like three feet wide, 10 or 12 feet long, and I filled it up with leaves, put a few rocks in there, spaced out some sticks, and I had everybody in the entire class walk through it, and them all rate them, and then I did it. And they all agreed I was the quietest. And you as were the big biggest. As I am. Yeah. I because see. I was probably, you know, three to five minutes slower than everybody else. Right. right. They're just, all trying to do it. The pressure's on, just like it is hunting. Yeah, and they're right. trying to get through there and they, you know, they're in that hurry. And uh, as much as deer can smell you and the other things, I really feel like they feel vibrations when you get close. Because I know y'all have all been with people that stomp the ground oh, and they're gosh, like dragging a cinder block. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's just pure woodsmanship that you're describing there that, that right. a lot of people lack nowadays. Yeah, um, and it's not hard to get. It's not, nothing special. It's just it's slowing down in general. You know, a, a lot of places now, including my place up there, you can use your phone and you think, oh, that's terrible. I'm in the wilderness. I can look at my phone. But I don't necessarily agree with that. A guy can be vigilant and look at his phone and text. You know, I do it a lot. Right. <laughs> I may be texting Pam or something. Right. But uh, it, it's that's all fine. It's being vigilant and keeping that head turning like an owl and just constantly being vigilant because a lot of people just miss deer. And uh, like I said, if anything about hunting Paint Rock Valley is try to, if your lease or your land has anything like a bedding area, is you don't have to just stay completely out of it. That's my opinion. But you can penetrate in there a little bit if you're super, super slow. You climb super, super high in a tree, and you got the wind right. You know, if it's one of them shifty wind days, yeah, you don't want to be in there and ruin your bedding area. But that's the only way you're really going to kill these big deer early in the year. Right. So I mean, when you can get lucky somewhere, but. So when you, they get up and move around inside of there a little bit during the daytime. Yeah, that's where they're going to move during the daytime. Right. Most of the time. That's the only yeah. place. You know that. Yeah. And, I mean, there's people get them all times of the year, but for the most part, you look, it's late January. That's yeah. when they've lost their mind like this one, and they're just out on the walkabout. Yep. And but, the, uh, day the, you only killed, time that, the day you killed yeah. this deer, was it really cold, really windy and cold? Uh, yes, that's Yes, it was super cold. That's why I tell you, I think I got the bronchitis that weekend. Right. Yeah, it was that kind of cold that, you know, we've been sitting all day long, two, two days in a row, uh, Friday and Saturday, and then it was Sunday. And uh, I went out on Sunday because we had to do some work up at the Bigfoot Ranch. And but we messed around kind of late, and I, I would have hunted all day that day. But, uh, yeah, just breathing that cold air and that wind up in that tree. And that's another thing. Uh, I, I do climb really high. Like I said, I started out in the Bakers, but now I have the Summit 180, which I feel like is the most safest, best stand on earth. And they don't pay me a dime, but I climb super high in a tree. Sometimes it, I actually need binoculars, really, to make sure if it's a deer I might be interested in shooting. 
because I'm so high up there, it's hard to tell, you know, really. Oh, wow. yeah. But uh, I think it's really important, especially when you go in those thick, thick areas and you find that windy buck trail, get in there about 30 or 50 yards, find you a tree and climb straight up it. And don't worry about looking all around. You just look right down at that honeysuckle or whatever's in there. And, uh, yeah, and do that. And the main thing is obviously wear that safety belt and use it when you get on the tree. Don't use it when you get up there. Use it all the way up and down. Yes, sir. That's right. I listened to that show you did with dude that – Willie Butts. Yes, and, uh, yeah, he didn't have it on, and he got around and got caught on the stand. And I don't really use too much ladders or lock-ons. I I mean, I used to climb some trees with tree climbing gear, but – uh, just uh, the saddles and all that. Like I said, I'm nearly 60 years old, and uh, I just more of a, a tree stand person. But you need that safety belt on at all times, even somehow climbing those stick stands or whatever. Right. But uh, yeah, I would like to see something that I guess that lifeline now is that thing that mm-hmm. you hook to right, and it goes yeah. up and down with you. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. That's a great idea. It is. It really is. It really is. Yeah. But you, uh, you, yeah, that's pretty much pretty much how my my hunt went down. What time? I was lucky like the next guy, but what? I paid my dues. Believe me. So yeah. it's you, one of them that I felt like you know, all that I've done, all the hailstorms I've hunted in, freezing rain, locked yourself out of the car, everything you could ever dream of in forty six years. That, Right. I finally got one I'm really, really, really proud yeah, of. So. That's a great deer, man. Yeah, and you, you, yes, you got him in the afternoon, right? Um, uh, yeah, I get him in the afternoon like that, too. It was a little bit of a pain with it getting dark and dealing with it. Right. But yeah, we, thank we, goodness we, I had help, you know. It's like hunting down there on Bankhead. I go so far in there that uh, actually I'm going Saturday hunting pigs with a 22 Magnum. Right, Anybody yeah. that wants to go, y'all are more than welcome. Shoot, I'd love to do that. I, yeah. I, I'm I got on a bank little head, work I got to do. Yeah. But I, I always, everybody like, why do you go down there and shoot a deer down there? You can't get it out. And I'm like, believe me, if I get the kind of deer that I want to get out of here. Right. Like, uh, what was the guy's name that killed the state record again? Michael Perry. Michael Perry. Yeah, one that Michael got. Well, I'll worry about getting it out later, Jamie. He said he never worries about that. I'll call my boss. I'll call you. We'll we'll figure that part out. That's right. Yeah, he told us he never ever worries about that. He said he he worries about that after he after he gets them. You know what I mean? If you if you you sit there worrying about that, you can actually even talk yourself into into leaving. You know, and not not finishing your uh, hunt. I'll tell you a good quick story about that while I'm talking. Uh, I hunt a spot back in there. It's exactly four miles according to the uh, Mm. uh, Onyx hunt. And so where I'm hunting back there is you got to hike all the way down the hiking trail. Then you get off the hiking trail and you go about maybe three quarters of a mile off the trail. Then you got to climb up a bluff and you're on this small running ridge. It's really unique and it borders another area that I think a tornado went through years ago. And so I want to get a tree stand back there, right? Because I'm a tree stand hunter. So somehow I was able at my age to get a tree stand back there. 
finally. And I had this ultimate little blind I built on top of the ground with cedar limbs. Mm-hmm. And there's this with scrapes back there and I, huge rubs, big as any I've seen in Saskatchewan or Kansas. So I'm all excited. Well, I, I was able to get a, a summit open shot stand back there. And I told you how big I am, yep. so that's a terrible stand for me. But <laughs> I was able to get it back there, right? And I got it up that bluff. This is all before daylight. And I got it up that tree I've been looking at from my ground blind all this time. And I got up that tree, and I'm thinking, man, I am the real hunter, man. How many people are back here and in a stand in this great spot? Well, sure enough, that morning a deer came from right over behind where my blind was. The only cedar tree, it's an old logging yard right up there on top. The only cedar tree there. And he stood behind it probably at 75 yards. And I've heard deer blow all my life, big bucks. He blew like nothing I've ever heard, like for 15 minutes. Wow. And I'm up in this dang tree stand, and I can't see anything. So I'm the perfect example of trying too hard sometimes, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 If I'd have been in that ground blind, I might have been a Michael Perry deer. But wow. I've been after him. Yeah, I've been after him ever since, but he's probably dead now. So you have seen some big deer up there in the bankhead too? Uh, I, I took a really good deer. It's probably been 10 years ago. It's probably 137, right. 38. That's a, that's a great deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nice deer, but uh, I, that's the only one I've laid eyes on. But I've I've been on tracks and sign and rubs like crazy. Uh, we don't have much luck with cameras back there. They get stolen a lot of times. But, right. Uh, being an old school hunter, Jamie, I'm just now really starting to get into this camera thing. And that changed the game for everybody. Yep. You know, you used to, you just stubborn. You're going to go sit on that ridge and no yep. matter what, come hell or high water, right. you know, and you finally see him and you don't even want to shoot him. And you could have known that three hunts ago. <laughs> right. When you, uh, so, when you yeah. said they changed the game, how, how did they help you? I know everybody, you know, everybody uses the cameras their own way. Uh, right. You know, and we got certain ways we use our, our cameras. Do you do yours any certain way that, you know, that, you think most hunters don't, or you just you just put them well, up and go? Or? A lot of people put them just, uh, you know, in them certain spots they want to hunt or whatever. But I, I seem like I keep one on me a lot, and I move around a lot, and it's like I may put it out for a night or two, you know, and That's then I get idea. it again, and I check it out, and then I'm moving again, and I may want to move. It may not be – you know, 30 yards, I may move it, but as good as they are, we don't, we're not always perfect. We're reading exactly where the deer is going to be. So if you can put it somewhere and you think, well, I ain't really seen no deer on this trail, but who knows? He walked right behind the camera, you know, uh-huh. four times. So move it around a little bit, you know, and carry one in your backpack all the time. That's a good idea. They ain't always got to be out. You know, have one ready to put out all the time. You know, that's a good idea. You you could even go to Walmart or wherever you go, buy your cameras and buy one of those little cheap, like a Tesco, you yeah. know, $28, and keep it on exactly. you. When you find a spot, just throw it out. 
I mean, because it's like I said before, you, you're trying to just get a picture of a deer. You're not trying to build, you know, some kind of shrine to it. Make a video. Exactly. Of it. Yeah. You just want and to know if it's hugely important. It's hugely important to. It's like I tell you, up there in the valley, those bedding areas are usually around the wet areas. There's a lot of cane on them benches, and those deer stay in it really thick. And it seems like they'll have trails going up and down, maybe one or two, maybe one. Mm -hmm. But there'll be several going in from the sides. Well, when you're putting it in on that lateral part down at the bottom or wherever you're top, you know, you may need to put it here and then put another one or move it down 30 yards, move it down 30 yards, and to figure out exactly kind of how they're moving, you know. Right. Instead of just putting it on this one trail and saying, oh, this is what's going on in here, because not necessarily. I mean, a deer have to travel a lot on a trail to make a trail. Right. And That's most right. of the time, the bucks don't do that. So, you know, put it more in the geographic areas that the deer has to cut through. And those cracks in the rocks or the thick cane and it may not be a wore out trail. You may see a deer track or two, but and put it out for a day or two. And you're going to be back there, you know, Sunday afternoon and check it again, move it again. That's what Michael was talking about. You know, when he goes in, Michael Perry, when he goes into that big forest up there, he looks for one track, maybe. Right. in a crossing or you know he just looks for yeah. just that one thing that can give him okay there's a deer in this area let, let me right. see if i can find this deer well other than knowing when you see a track it is a great thing obviously and uh, having a camera would be obviously good but when you see that track you know you know what i mean that's you know right. hey that's a big deer but you don't know that he may have a deformed rack or he may have this or that. You still don't know, right. so that camera helps you get closer right. to that. But I'm a firm believer that uh, even with the pressure and all that, Black Warrior is incredible. Right. There's some huge deer in there. Obviously, he's a good example of that, but there's not a lot of them, and I don't understand that. You know, I'm not a game warden or conservation person that knows maybe the answer, but some people like to point toward the pigs, but I don't know. They just did away with a special season this year on pigs, so I don't know what that means, but uh, the oaks in there, and I mean, the acorns, it's like walking on marbles. Right. I, you know, I've never seen better habitat than not see whirls of deer, so... But if you're like me and like a lot of us, you know, I, I can get a doe for some eating and all that. But to try to shoot that old mossy horn like that, it even if there's one in there, that keeps you going, don't it? Oh, oh yeah. Heck yeah, you man. Know, and, you know, I really, uh, like I said, I've been hunting a lot of years. And, and taking that deer, just getting to meet fine people like y'all is really all worth it. But it's just, uh, to me, deer hunting is, is awesome. I mean, it, it ain't got nothing to do with getting the deer you're after always. It's just getting away from work and that quiet and that peace time to let your mind wind down. And it's it's really good for people. I think it's good for your psyche. And we need to all get these young people more and more involved, you know? You know, that's what Heath was talking about today. We were talking, you know, we're both in our 40s. and uh right. 
he was talking about, you know, when we were younger, we'd sat around listening to our dads and all his buddies and stuff talk about deer hunting and how they killed deer. And, you know, we all looked up to them and like, man, you know, you know, maybe one day I can be like them. Well, right. now, you know, we're at the age and we're, we're killing these deer. We, he made a good, he made the best point. We don't have anybody looking up to us. Now my son does, but you, you take him well, out because he lives with me. Percentage of, yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't have a lot of kids sitting there looking up, hey man, take me hunting. You know, when I was a kid, I asked everybody, hey, take me hunting. Let me go hunt with you. You know, kids nowadays oh, just don't do that. We, we were very eager to learn back then. Yeah. And, man, kids nowadays just, I don't know what it is. I just. I don't know either. I don't think it's anything to do with the actual killing of an animal or any of that. It's just there's so much for them to do, maybe. Right. I, I don't know. That. I believe that's what it is. You know, like, I said my mom would carry me up there and leave me all weekend from you know, 12 to 14 years old. I right. mean, and I wasn't into no good. I was hauling just walking in the mountains, you know, and yep. thought right. I was in heaven. Yep. It's just and a different, I think different time. I, yeah, I've actually carried kids up there that just was bored out of their skulls, you know. Yeah. And yep. I actually had a four-wheeler there for one kid to ride, and he was still bored out of his skull. Yeah, we didn't uh, We didn't have the video games and um, exactly. all that that and and also we didn't have the i hate this we didn't have as much seems like we didn't go as far back then you know people if you even everybody had a car or trucks right. and whatever you know but we right. we didn't we didn't go far you know what i mean i mean a trip yeah, to town was a big deal back then you know yeah and now it's, and it's just hard. normal it's hard a lot of places to get a kid you know to a place because everything now's went to big leases and a lot of them you can carry your kid which is fabulous but uh it's just i don't know and to keep their attention you know and like you said to carry them far and deep in the woods it's a lot of work involved right uh, i don't know i i think there's plenty of young people that are involved and think it's great but there's also a lot of them that aren't interested that's going to show up more and more in the future Right. Yep. And, uh, I think it's not only good physically, but uh, it's good mentally, and it's you know it's just good to learn where they came from. Yeah. And it's like the show says, you know, if you're offended by killing animals, well, this don't ain't the listen show for you. or don't <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. This ain't don't watch it. it. I mean, you know, we've been hunting animals since we were Cro-Magnon, I guess. That's so. right. You know, but, uh, we were talking earlier about all this social media and stuff before we started this podcast, and you know, everybody tell you you got to be on all platforms, and we got on the, we got on TikTok, and right. uh, Heath killed a really nice buck, a buck he'd been after at our hunt club this year, and you know it was a 130 inch deer, it was an old deer. That's that's a good thing right. about it. He's a six year old deer. That's what I like. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and so the very the very first video I done, we 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 built a uh, a tornado come through and dropped a big pin oak tree right on our old uh, signing house that'd been there since uh-huh. the late 1800s so we had to rebuild it back me and heath and a couple other members rebuilt it back but anyway uh so we got this rough cut lumber uh cabin sitting right there with the front porch we built onto it and we we grabbed heath's deer and we got it sitting up there you know like like something you'd see back in the old days you know and so we done a video of it and uh put it on there man i mean overnight it got like ten thousand views 
and man, our, our, uh, our followers just jumped. I mean, we had like 2,000 followers in one night. And man, awesome. dang TikTok hit me. Man, they got me, banned me for, they got me for 24 hours. Well, the next day I got on there and I said, uh, I said, if you don't like hunting and fishing and dead animals, you're not going to like our videos. Well, yes. the, the, the very next one was my dad, you know, sculling out, a, a, you know, working on a skull mount for his, one of our members. And uh, they got me again. They got me for another 24 hours. And then, hey, since December, I've been uh, blocked on there uh, 12 times. And this last one Whoa. got me, uh, a friend of ours, Neil, uh, somebody wanted to see one of his deer. So we put just an old gripping grin, you know. He's just sitting there holding a deer, you know, smiling. They banned me for two weeks. Two <laughs> weeks. It's just amazing, isn't it? Man, but women can get on you know, there half naked. Men can get on there doing whatever oh, they want. To, and uh, that's, that nobody says a thing. But, you know, it's amazing to me that, like you said, it's a double standard on a lot of things. But in some ways – I don't like some of the things that we do as hunters, but uh, if you don't have any place to tie your deer down or put it under wraps, unless he's a great big buck, everybody wants to show him off. I understand. Yeah. I, I'm as a hunter, I'd rather not be sitting in McDonald's with my kid or even myself and watch a doe that's just bleeding all over the four wheeler and the trailer right. sitting right <laughs> at the drive through right in front of the right. window. Right. And I know we're always going to see that, but there's just certain places that I don't know that it may not set a good precedent for the average non hunter. So I feel, so I feel to speak. the same way. I try I, not I to agree. parade my deer. Maybe an antler sticking up out of the back or something, but not the... Yeah, you know, I mean, I know we're going to all do it some, and we can't help it. We want that cheeseburger. This year, I I got a little Ford Ranger that I drive back and forth to work when the particular weekend when I I got my deer, I drove it down to the hunting club that weekend. And, I, you know, when you go back and forth to hunt club you got a whole that little truck won't hold much well i right. got that deer and i had to drive two and a half hours with this big old buck just sticking up <laughs> out of the back of the truck and and i just yeah. felt like everybody was looking at me and i was like oh yeah i really felt weird it's a different yeah. like when we were kids i mean you put that joker on the dog box or on the tailgate oh, a lot of yeah. people even put them on the hood now I just I feel weird when I got a well up in Paint Rock Valley, like I said, where I got a lot of my nicer deer growing up. But uh, it was Christmas Day, and back in the day, I you know knowing all them people up there and being kin to a lot of them, and we would just run around and do deer drives all day. And I still love doing those. I just don't have a place to do them, but. Right. We used to ride around. We'd jump out of the truck, you know, and I was a young guy in the group, so I'm sure they'd always put me in the least desirable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're down there in front of the grain shelter where I worked as a teenager up there in uh, Holly Tree. And uh, we're down there in that bottom. I don't remember. There's 10 or so of us. And they put me around on the roadside around there in the horseshoe of them woods. And uh, so I'm sitting there, and it wasn't long I hear a bunch of splashing, you know. And so sure enough, this big 10-pointer, he come, he was one of my 140 deer. He come running out of there, and he's running across them bean fields, running, you know, it's 500 yards up to the road. And I shot several times, I don't remember, <laughs> but ended up he piled up out there in the beans, you know. 
So we all excited and we all went over there and we got him. And like you said, we put him on the hood and it's Christmas day. And I forgot to even go home or was worried about going home. <laughs> and my mom was so upset because all we wanted to do is just ride all over. And we got well, yeah. go to this gas station. Let's go to that gas station. You know, that's a good Let's old get days. a Coke over here. Yeah. I think a, but, a, yeah. a big buck was really more rare back in those days, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. People, I don't know. It took maybe more excitement in showing it up. But yeah. I kind of felt like I was robbed a little on this one because, you know, time we got it out of there, I, it was probably 20 degrees. And in the picture, you can tell I'm shirtless and covered in mud and blood, too. And <laughs> so we get him out of there, you know, and wrestle with him like, olympic wrestling and we get him out of there and and then i have to carry him you know the morning before work on a monday or whatever to the processor it was like i almost i kind of went toward cabela's going down there where i went and eva or other side so i thought i need to just swing through cabela's you know i know some of these guys are gonna want to see him you know yeah so I didn't really get to show him off other than the ride over there. But right. back in the day, one like that, we'd have rode him around. And oh, yeah. When I, I, I moose hunted in Canada, you know, they cut the head off right at the jawline. Right. And they put the moose on top of the car. They tied on the very top of the car, and they ride it around for like a month. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Look it up online at them pictures of their mooses they ride around. Yeah. That's funny. It's like, yeah. So, well, man. But, uh, well, Billy, I, we took enough of your time, man. It's it great talking with you again. Uh, appreciate heck, it. Heck, man, if you do any good this weekend, uh, give us a call. You know, uh, we'd well, like I'll to talk to you about that. And I, I know, got a buddy that he thinks he wants to go. He's a little soft. We'll find out how tough he is. Hey, I, <laughs> I definitely he's 27. Would like, I would like to get with you one day, maybe not this year, maybe next year, and uh, go do that hog hunting with you up there. Yeah. Just to, well, uh, I'd love to carry you. I've got some really special spots that Years of Scouting's put me on down there. They're they're far walks, but they're that's where the pigs are back right. in there. But uh, Shoot, yeah, I'd love I would to do definitely it. want to do that. But I definitely would be into the turkey hunting thing with you this year. So maybe we can do something like that. All right, that'd work. Well, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. We took enough of your time, and uh, like I said, you know, if you have any luck this weekend, just give me a call. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on on uh, during turkey season. Yep. Stay in touch with us. Let us know how you're doing. Yeah. I'll do it, brother. All I right. appreciate y'all calling, and I enjoyed it. Right. Thank, Thank you, man. Thanks, Billy. Thanks. Okay, Thanks, Billy. buddy.